Welcome to Monetize Media. I am Kyle Scott. And I am Jason Zernicki. So this is uh, take 900 of our first episode, but our producer told us we should have a bonus episode. So let's have a bonus episode to tell everybody what this podcast is about. So So the short elevator pitch is Monetize Media is the podcast for creators who are looking to grow and especially monetize their audience. Uh, What does that mean if you are listening to this, Jason? I don't know. What do we tell people? Uh, The podcast aims to be the go-to source for anyone who is building and monetizing their audience online. And why? Because we've done it. We've spent the last two decades doing some version of growing. We're old. We are, we are very old. It sounds crazy to say that. I have a gray beard now. I guess two decades jointly would make us sound a little bit younger. We've each spent the last decade and then there together makes two decades building and monetizing audiences online. So what does that exactly mean for the listener, Jason? What do we hope that the listener takes away from this podcast? We want to be what I wish, I'm sure Kyle does too, was available when I started doing this you know, 10 to 15 years ago. We're not that old. Kyle's in his 30s. I'm in my 40s. We want to be what was available then. So successful, he speaks about himself in the third person. This is true. This is true. To have somewhere to turn where I could potentially fast track parts of my business, right? Because every business is different. But the ability to know the latest trends and tools that are out there to grow your audience, because you never know where you're going to be in your life cycle of your business. Yeah, say you're being, you created some amazing Facebook group with all kinds of reach. You're already a successful video podcast with millions of subscribers, right? There's already been someone out there who has done something. You know, we call it, you know, someone's already gone into the lab, right? Some crazy mad scientist has already started the business and they've gone out and they've tried things a thousand times and they have gone and done the work for you. So what we want to do is to decipher those results. So whether that's done via some of our past experiences and success, whether that's done through just an example review of someone who's just absolutely crushed it on growing an audience via their niche, or obviously via the podcast guests that we're going to bring in and do deep dives and begin to develop and hear their playbook. And then hopefully you're going to, man, that playbook sounds a lot like my playbook, but I never thought of that tool or that process for success. So that in total is the grand goal to bring to the audience, the fast track audience growth and success. That was really well said. And for, you know, if you're a big podcast listener out there, you're probably familiar with Tim Ferriss, who has one of the most popular interview podcasts. And he seeks to uncover the tactics, routines, and habits of world-class performers on his show. We kind of seek to do the same, but in the particular online media and creator space. Listen, there are no shortage of podcasts and YouTube channels and TikTokers who have business advice or side hustle advice or passive income advice or how to make money as an influencer advice. And if you've listened to someone like Gary Vee, you'll know that 98% of those people are complete charlatans. If someone has hashtag entrepreneur in their Instagram profile, they're probably not actually an entrepreneur. We want to talk every episode once per week about someone who is doing it or has done it. They have an audience on the internet, whether, as Jason said, it's a Facebook group, a podcast, a YouTuber, or an influencer, or someone who's running an eight-person new media company that's based around subscriptions and newsletters. We want to talk to those people and then find out how they're monetizing and growing that business. And why are we qualified to do that? Because we've done it. 
And we'll get into our backgrounds individually in a second. But we have built and sold a network of sports media sites that we sold off for $25 million at the end of 2020, a pandemic year, by the way. So we each spent the last decade of our lives doing exactly this. And one of the things we've learned is that when you have a giant audience or a small audience, an audience of any kind, there's really only a handful of ways to turn that into a business and monetize it. And whether that is someone on TikTok today or shouting from the top of a rock 2,000 years ago, the first step in that game is developing audience and allegiance. And then the second step is, frankly, how do you extract dollars out of them? And the most successful audience businesses are able to extract dollars in a way that is beneficial for both the person on this side of the microphone and the person who's willing to open up their wallet, be it an advertiser or a listener or a viewer or something like that. And we want to identify those trends that are consistent regardless of what platform is or the particular format. And what you find over time is there are many similarities between the newspaper business 50 years ago and the top of the rock business 2000 years ago and the podcast business today. And I don't, Jason, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. And then we can kind of get into the types of guests we've already interviewed and we and people can expect to hear going forward. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. There's the thing that hit my brain when you were talking and you guys will find out when we do these shows that I have a horrible habit that I will just say something because I feel like it's so important that I'll forget it, that I'll just yell it out. So just, you know, Kyle has put up with this for four years. But one of the things that hit my brain when Kyle was talking was, how to spit it out is like retention, right? Like even if you're yelling from the top of a rock or you're, you have your website, you're, my thought, right, is, well, in order to do, in order to make that money, you have to retain your audience. But, you know, we are in such a dynamic movement of media now and how you get your audience. But that's not always the case now in order to be successful. There are sites that do not have to have the stickiness factor. You know, they can be a large audience site, but it's, it is a hit, go, buy, come back, hit, go, buy. It's totally changed. And I think we're not, this is the point I'm trying to get across is if your audience is like that, great. You just found a good podcast. If your audience is all about retention and you are looking at your Google Analytics every day to see what your homepage traffic is looking like, boom, you just found a good podcast to listen to to grow your business. So this type of variable that no matter if it's a rock, newspapers, whatever it is, share a voice, the game has changed. And so you have to make sure that as a business owner, as a creator, as a publisher, no matter who you are in front of your audience, that you are being flexible with those changes. Because if you're not, the game passes you by and then you got to play catch up. So staying in front of that's huge. And that's certainly one of the goals we're going to try and do here every week. So as an example of the types of guests and stories you can expect to hear, and then our takes on them, we have an upcoming episode uh, that will be sometime in our first 10 episodes that I recorded with Kenny Coleman, who is the co-founder of Bourbon Pursuit. If you're not familiar, if you're into whiskey, Bourbon Pursuit is uh, the leading bourbon podcast. They call themselves the Bourbon Podcast. And they started out as, you know, much like this, a couple of guys with a microphone talking about bourbon, interviewing people in the bourbon space. Fine. They did a really good job of it. And over the years, they began to get Patreon subscribers, supporters, not a lot of money. Everything's public on Patreon, a few thousand bucks a month, just enough to kind of keep the lights on and get some help editing podcasts and so on and so forth. But then their audience grew so huge and they got so sticky with the people in their space and so respected that they were able to start reviewing whiskey. And then people said, wait a minute, if you guys know whiskey so well, and I want to hear your take on it, maybe you can have your own whiskey. So they were going to distilleries and they were doing tours and they were getting to do barrel tastings. And then they decided, you know what, why don't we just buy our own barrels and sell it? And so they did that. And then they've taken it a step further now and they are investing capital 
to distill and age your own whiskey. You know nothing else about whiskey. It takes bourbon in particular five, six years of aging for at a minimum to have like really good bourbon. So it's a long-term process. So these guys went from a podcast to investing in distilling and aging their own bourbon, which won't be available for sale until 2025. And you talk about getting an audience and then monetizing it. That is like the ultimate example. And so we spoke with them for an hour about that process and not just building the audience, but deciding upon a business model and how to go about it. And that's the kind of conversation we want to have every week on this show, finding out what people are doing when they get an audience. Because even if you're not in the bourbon and you're someone who is selling scotch tape or duct tape, you might be the leading expert in duct tape. And then what's the natural extension of that? Well, it might be making your own brand of tape. And there's probably something in that interview with the bourbon guys that you can take away about investing and starting a product business off the back of your podcast or YouTube channel. Jason, there's another example I know you like to use of a, of a golf site you found. Yeah. And before I jump into the golf one too, just a, a brief aside on the bourbon business, right? So like hearing their brief, short life cycle, right? So they go from two guys, they've got their plan. And then it completely does a 180 in selling their own bourbon, right? Because of what they've been able to do. But think about the new hurdles they had to get into, you know, trademark, patent, regulation, you know, all kinds of legal work. You know, I mean, it's a completely different set of work that I'm sure they did not anticipate. So going through, that'd be fascinating to hear all that. But that's how it is with every business. There's always a turn that you never anticipated. You know, we're going to love being able to go through some of those words of wisdom and experiences with everyone when we do have them on the podcast for any business that we're talking about, but obviously for this future podcast that Kyle already did with Bourbon Group. But to the point of the golf website, and we hope to have these folks on in the future, there are things out there that we just do not know exist, right? I mean, I had no idea about this. It ends up being a booming business. And I guess for golf aficionados, this could be something, but you know, there's a major search for what's in the bag, right? So Tiger Woods, W-I-T-B, had no idea that this even existed. And by bag, for those who aren't golf fans, means clubs. What clubs is somebody using? Yeah. What's in their golf bag? Yeah. What clubs are in there? So just like anything else, you know, that people get really interested in, they want to do a deep dive and, you know, there's all kinds of details about golf club. Serious golfers want to know about this. And this is, this is a major search traffic out there in the golf world, you know, for what is in the bag. And then, of course, there's affiliate opportunities on top of that for buying golf clubs. And then it expands out. You know, what shirt is Tiger Woods wearing today? You know, you type that in, affiliate opportunity on a golf shirt. So amazing to kind of see the things that we're, things that we're not even privy to as a concept for revenue generation. And then you stumble upon it, you're like, holy smokes, they're crushing it with this. Look, they have a million, you know, there's a million posts in a forum on this. And it's something you didn't even know existed. So there's so many other avenues like this out there that creators are seeing these niche within a massive macro niche and absolutely crushing it. We're going to have plenty of guests on and great examples of this and do deep dives. But I think every show will have an aspect to it that you can take back to your business and immediately know, man, I am going with that and that's going to crush. Right. And the point is, at the end of the day, the topic really doesn't matter. The models, the trends, the processes, and the tools, we really want to learn what people are using to implement their plans on these processes. But the topic almost doesn't matter. When you hear the golf example you just gave, um, you could think of 
many other things. SEO traffic is no like newfangled idea by any stretch, but there are these little pockets within pockets where there's just this opportunity where not only is it just SEO traffic, but people actually want to know about it. And the golf site is so unique in that, like you said, there are the tens of thousands of form posts about this. This isn't just fleeting transactional traffic. These guys or girls, we're not sure who runs it, have developed an audience around discussing the types of clubs used by professional golfers and how could they can apply those clubs and tools to their game, not unlike this podcast. And it's amazing. Anyone listening to this knows that you can create an audience around anything. Their way of monetizing it, though, is, hey, these people who are reading this site may want to buy these products. And then that's where you get to the affiliate business model. And at the end of the day, when you talk about all these different examples, you get down to, I'd say there's probably seven different models in three real big buckets. There is uh, a product model, which is selling something like bourbon or a subscription. There is an advertising model where you're taking money from somebody else to tell your audience about their product or service. And then there is like the ancillary part. There are events and other things you can do with the audience that's a bit more uh, nuanced than just, hey, like I'm selling you a product or I'm taking money from somebody else to tell you about their product. And then at the end of the day, it all kind of gets down to these things. So we're going to distill these and go through them in, in depth throughout the course of this podcast. Why are we qualified to talk about this? So if you've made it this far, you're at least interested. But as I said before, there are a lot of people who are full of, full of shit in this space, to be honest. Shite. You occasionally find people who know what they're talking about. And there's a lot of good resources online. You can go through YouTube or podcasts and find people who've done it, who have genuinely good info. But there's also, for every one of those people, there are 10 who are just trying to capitalize on the greater economy or whatever it is. So what is it that we have done that makes us uh, qualified to talk about this? So in 2020, as I mentioned, our business, our network of sports websites was acquired for, for $25 million uh, by a publicly traded company. How we got there is, is part of each of our individual backgrounds. But in short, we owned a handful of local sports websites in largely concentrated in the Northeast. And we happened to be lucky, luck plays a big part in any type of success, that we were in Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania and New Jersey happened to be the first two states that legalized online sports betting. So we had this big audience of sports fans, kind of separate from betting itself. And then online betting got legalized in, in our area where our audience was located. And having affiliate backgrounds and advertising backgrounds, we knew how much money sports books were going to spend to, to get new players in the door. So immediately that became the affiliate model. We doubled down on that. We had some early success in around 2018, 2019. We then figured, hey, we can take this model and expand it to other cities. So we tried to raise money and acquire other websites. And then COVID hit. And for at least a little while there, capital kind of dried up. But we decided, well, let's go acquire one by ourselves. We used Jason's home equity line of credit and a little bit of cash, like $150,000 in total, to buy a website in New York that became a major piece of, of our eventual sale. But beyond that, we didn't have the funds to go buy other websites and sports blogs across the country. But we knew we can make them money. So we went to some of these sites we had already had conversations with and said, hey, you know what? We're not going to be able to buy you right now, but we can really help you with this affiliate business model. And if you're in Colorado and your state legalizes online sports betting, we can help you make five, 10 times your current revenue. And everyone kind of thought we were full of shit at first until we started doing it. 
Uh, so then we pieced together this partnership model on top of the sites that we own. And eventually that became a very attractive model for the company that bought us for a, quite a bit of money. So it took us a decade to get to that point where we had the skills and the audience to kind of lever, lever that up from our audience in the Northeast to someone allowing us to write content on their sites halfway across the country to a publicly traded company saying, hey, we like that, we want to buy it. So now it's probably worth us talking about our individual backgrounds, how we got up to this point. Jason, I don't know if you have anything else to add on our, our joint efforts, though. No, I think a great note that you mentioned is the charlatan creator buzz that is out there. I mean, we, we are at a time that I think people will look back upon as like this great, you know, renaissance of creativity, people leaving their jobs. There is so much available to people, so many opportunities available to people to the point where, you know, we've had the great resignations. And obviously that had a lot to do with COVID, but people feel that they have this amazing opportunity to go out and make their own money. And we love the entrepreneurial spirit, but there are so many people out there that are painting themselves as experts and then in turn are trying to profit or sell or whatever off of that kind of charlatan approach. For me, it's just a word of wisdom. You know, Kyle and I are here because we've had a big exit. We come here in a more, I think, relaxed mindset of not trying to prove something not sitting here going, oh my God, Kyle, we need to make $10,000 this month or this didn't work, right? It's the beauty of it. We don't have any of that bullshit to worry about. We were, we were fortunate. We worked our asses off with a little bit of luck and we got a big exit. But the goal is what we stated here a thousand times already in this first show is to provide the trends, the tools, the processes, and the examples via us or via our guests. So you know genuinely that you're coming to listen to this show and Someone's trying to help your business. They're not trying to, oh, by the way, go to a monetize.me forward slash affiliate product, right? Not the goal, not the goal. So I think Kyle did a nice job positioning that. So why don't you tell everybody about your background and um, your work background? I'll note that our backgrounds are different, but we're actually sitting in the same office. So we'll also be honest about when our, uh, uh, we, where we don't have skills. So we're pretty good at media and audience and monetization, pretty bad at production quality. So we couldn't figure out how to get our mics to work jointly in the same room. So I'm sitting in the basement of our office and you are actually in our office. So we, we do yeah. lack in some areas. And don't let perfect get in the way of good enough, right? Like we're not great at production value guys, but I'll bet you towards the end of this year and you start looking at some of our future podcasts, things will improve greatly. We'll figure that part out, but let's get, get on to like the meat and potatoes of things, right? And so speaking of that, what got me here, so I was a pharmaceutical rep for about 10 years. And I would not recommend that profession. I think it's pretty much probably begun to go away anyway. But one of the, and I disliked it, did okay in it. But towards the end of that run, I started to really dive into SEO. So, you know, I was married, first child was on the way. But some previous years to that, I was like, man, I have to understand better how to rank on Google. I, I knew where everything was going to go, but I, the processes that get there for me was just not there. I had a full-time job and family. And once I was able to kind of decipher and learn the process and just went through a couple tinkering of websites, just seeing how things work, some pretty cheesy like Amazon product type of things, and just, just understanding just where you got to place things and how that process works, I was able to be ready for what was I'd, an opportunity I've been looking for. I was you know, always into online poker and things of that nature, but I knew when the legit thing came again, that next huge opportunity that was where a large audience who's ready to spend money, was going to move, I was going to be ready. And that ended up being daily fantasy sports. So 
for those who remember, I'd say probably 2014, 2015, FanDuel and DraftKings go out and spend upwards of $500 million on TV ads. The ads are absolutely everywhere. I'm a millionaire overnight. Become a millionaire overnight. You know, one, you know, one season and one day type of thing, right? They're educating, trying to build their audience. But I was at the time working, I had just left pharmaceutical sales and I, I get into a daily fantasy site called Daily Joust, right? And it was one of the most fortunate things that ever happened to me because I begin to see the user journey into their you know, sphere of influence and, and how they come into the site. And I'm sitting there going, wow, everyone's typing in promo codes. And we weren't even using promo codes at Daily Joust. And, you know, so then like, boom, the light bulb moment goes off. Like, oh shit, they're probably doing this for DraftKings and FanDuel. So I went out at the time and bought a site called Promo Code Kings, you know, definitely trying to figure out a way to get in the whole DraftKings thing. And I view this as a very simple thing, right? And and I know you guys who have your audiences out there and your processes will do it too. But what we have to remember is not everyone looks at it that way. Like to me, it was, oh, build promo code kings, target those properties, do it the proper way through you know regulatory process, crush. You know, that was it. And it worked. And I was able to get there before a lot of other people. And, you know, it led to millions of dollars in revenue. And I'm sure as you'll hear from our guests on the podcast over time, timing, luck, experience, they all kind of come together at the right moment and caught lightning in a bottle and absolutely crushed it with that. And then Daily Fantasy had some issues, you know, because now here we are now in, uh, you know, later years and we've had regulated online sports betting. And so DFS had to happen in order for regulated sports betting to happen. But there was a lull in between, a bit of a lull in between where I had, where I was then waiting for online sports betting to come online, essentially in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And that kind of led to what Kyle gave you the background on where we then came together. But in that process, we developed, or I developed for myself, an absolute expertise in low funnel conversion for players. How can I absolutely own every aspect of the lower part of the funnel of, of that conversion funnel? And through just constant tinkering and experience, you get there. And that could be from anything in SEO, but it could also be from where am I putting the button? What is on the button? What is the color of the button? How much text is here? Where's the video? The SEO value of video, schema, all these crazy things that just have to do with SEO. You know, were all these great learnings I had for the lower part of the funnel. And then Kyle and I get together and he takes care of the rest of the part of the funnel, which he can get into, which was just massive, massive fandom build, build outs in the Philadelphia area done over time. And I'm not going to steal his story. But when you put those two together in that funnel, we were able to have great success. And then, you know, puts us here today in, in a much different mindset, you know, more of a teaching mindset than we would have been ever th probably thought we would have been over a decade ago. I'll note for people listening that you probably did all that with about a $400 Chromebook. Yes. <laughs> still <laughs> baffles me. Which I still have. It's very slow. It's very slow. And I know you're not surprised to hear that, Kyle. But the ROI is, it's a good point though, because the ROI to the amount you spent on equipment to the revenue generated is astronomical. And it goes to show that anyone listening to this, there are massive opportunities to be had, be it whether you're a one-man shop or a hundred-man shop. And you were very much a, you know, mostly a one-man shop, but, you know, some freelancers and pretty impressive. Because to you, it's very intuitive. Oh, people are going to search for promo codes. But, you know, what you did is you found that particular space that was new 
and it wasn't intuitive to enough people yet. And you were like, no, that's intuitive to me. And, and I know how to make money from it. So it's such a good story. And, you know, you sort of touched on mine a little bit, but before we came together, while you were really focused on, hey, I'm going to sit low in the funnel and monetize and figure out a really great business model. I was on the other end of that. I was sitting so far up in the funnel, like I couldn't even see the ground and for, for better or worse. And eventually, you know, we met somewhere in the middle. So I was, um, I had always wanted to go into sports media, you know, from the time I was little. So I wanted to be in radio, TV, newspapers. I used to you know, do my own newsletters when I was eight years old around Thanksgiving break. I remember like writing my own newsletter on my dad's work laptop and stuff like that. Probably more advanced than your Chromebook. Yes, uh, I agree. I had an internship in college at Comcast Sportsnet in Philly. And it was kind of cool. You got to go in the locker room sometimes and log footage. But then I realized I wanted to get out of the business or I wanted to get out of working for other people in the business because I want, you know, you want to be Dan Patrick or Keith Olbermann, right? Well, for every Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, there are 9,000 people working until 1 a.m. for $12 an hour logging game film with miserable hours. And trust me, the cool factor, seeing this as an intern, the cool fact wears off on that very quickly. So I got out of the space somewhat and took a job out of school selling advertising in the Philadelphia Inquirer, the major newspaper in Philadelphia, and thought maybe I can get into journalism that way. It, spoiler, you can't. It's a pretty good firewall and legacy media between the money side and the content side, but not so much for the individual creator. But this long ambling route, I worked at some digital media companies. I worked in affiliate marketing. Then I decided, no, I want to get back into this. So I launched many a sports blog. And then finally, I did one that stuck at the end of 2009 about Philadelphia sports called Crossing Broad. And at the time, it doesn't really matter if you're not a sports fan, but all the teams were humming. The Phillies were coming off winning a World Series. They went to another one. They were the best team in baseball, and there was just a ton of interest. So it was, it was the right market, much like your you know, daily fantasy sites. It was the right time and place. Had that been five years later when all of the teams were in last place, there wouldn't have been the interest and audience that there was at that time where everybody, even the most casual fans, needed to know everything that was going on with you know, the Phillies and much the same way I'm sure it is with Dallas and the Cowboys and LA and the Lakers and was able to build an audience by being different. So we created content that wasn't meant to look like newspaper content. It was meant to be almost TMZ style uh, about sports, not just what was happening on the court or the field, but off the court in the field. And there were times where we really pushed the envelope and were funny and sarcastic and crude. And over time, you kind of smooth out the rough edges. But it was enough to make us stand out early on because people were getting something from our website that was highly irreverent and I think often entertaining compared to what they were reading elsewhere. So over the course of you know the 2010s, built up a pretty pretty large audience. We had hundreds of thousands of local readers, you know, millions of impressions per month, and you know this is within one city, so it was a pretty sticky audience. And over the years, I was never really thinking about like how do I grow this into a seven or eight figure business. I was just trying to make a living. And I was happy when I got it to like low six figures in income and then was able to get a little bit more and hire one full-time person. And then, you know, I pieced together programmatic advertising, direct advertising, small-scale affiliates. We were selling t-shirts and we get $2.50 a shirt we referred. And then I saw like how many t-shirts we were selling for people. And I was like, well, $2.50 times, you know, 10,000 is... $25,000. It's not that much money. What if we made the t-shirts ourselves and we pocketed $10 per sale and then it's $100,000. So we began, I found a, a place that would uh, print and ship the shirts for us and we you know, kind of made $10 a, 
a shirt. And then the Eagles won the Super Bowl and we sold a lot of shirts. And, you know, that wasn't really a scalable business model, but it was an opportunity to make, you know, decent money for a couple of years. And then, you know, to your point, Jason, sports betting was legalized and having that background in affiliate marketing, it was like, oh my God, you know, these gambling companies, insurance companies, banks, credit cards pay these massive bounty rates to get new customers because they're worth a lot of money. Someone who bets on sports is worth a lot of money to a sports book. Someone who gets a credit card is worth a lot of money to a bank and so on and so forth. So we, that's where we came together. We both knew how big that opportunity was going to be. And you knew it from the low in the funnel perspective of, oh my God, I know how to really convert people at an outrageously high rate. And I came at it from the other side knowing the, how big the affiliate opportunity was and knowing that I had the right audience from it and then lacking the ability to tie that together. I knew how to promote this stuff directly to the audience. The tactical digital marketing stuff you were doing is where I was lacking. And then that's where we had a mutual industry counterpart say, hey, you guys should get a beer. And it just so happens that you know we live 20 minutes apart and uh, also share a birthday, which you know kind of makes you, I mean, like, you know, you were a few years older, but like, you know, it kind of kind of forces you to work together. For, for the spiritual folks, it's like, oh, I guess this is kind of like destined to be. I mean, who has a who has the same birthday as me? And then uh, his son also has a similar birthday. And so you get all kinds of crazy conversations. Like this is kind of this is kind of spooky. Uh, but then, but we also you know hit it off pretty quickly too. I mean, that's a, that's important. I had been involved in a couple of partnerships before that briefly, and it, everything has to be right. I mean, it, it, there's trust factors. And there's you know millions of dollars potentially at stake and reputations and you put decade of work into things. But, you know, I think we trusted our gut there. And uh, there's, that, there's an aspect of that that I'm sure we'll touch on in podcasts where, boy, like, you know, we, we reference the book Blink quite often in some of our conversations where you have to listen to your inner voice. And if you don't, you are setting yourself up for some serious issues. And I'm sure some of our guests that uh, we're going to have on and have had on will speak to that as well. There's just times where you got to trust it. And uh, for some of us, it, it certainly works out. So, yeah, totally. And, you know, to put a, on the partnership side, and this is a whole episode in and of itself, and, you know, be it us or other people we talk to, you know, the, the trust part is a big thing. I don't think we've ever had a, there's never been a squabble about money, you know, and there are tens of millions of dollars at, at stakes in, in various directions. And, you know, that's always been the last issue, right? I mean, there, you know, and you just have to sometimes uh, learn that, you know, to accept someone else's take on something or that after a while you develop that trust that like, you know, if, if that's their take, then I'm going to go with it. And that's an important, you know, that's a whole separate conversation for anyone building any business, let alone a content business. But to put a bow on the whole, you know, sort of origin story, and at some point it would make sense for us to each do an episode to really deep dive into what we were individually doing and then jointly doing and so on and so forth. But to put a bow on that, we've spent the last decade and two decades collectively building audience and monetizing that audience. And we've used the advertising business model. We've used the affiliate business model, you know, probably most notably. We've used the store and shop and selling product model. And I even have a little bit of tinkering in the subscription model. Um, launched a brief, brief website with John Clayton, the former ESPN NFL personality. He recently just passed away, which is, which is horrible. He was a relatively young guy. And you know, capitalizing on that direct subscription business. And it failed, right? It didn't work. And it, it wasn't subscription business don't work. It was the wrong niche, right? 
that's the thing. You do this long enough, you have things that radically fail and you have things that win really big and you learn stuff from both of those. So we've each spent the last decade doing that. And beyond that, when you're running your own business, you're hiring people, you're doing taxes and accounting, and then you're either acquiring or getting acquired. And we've done all of that on both sides of the fence. And anyone who's in the business of creating content and having an audience, you eventually get to a scale where all of those things come into play. And to level up, you might need to bring in other businesses. Certainly, you'll need to hire people. And then eventually, you get good enough at it, someone's going to offer to buy you. And what does that process look like? And we've, we've done it all, good and bad. And we've, we've hit home runs, and we've struck out wildly. And at the end of the day, if you just keep swinging, it's like baseball. Someone hits 300. You know, they miss seven out of 10, but you hit one out of the park, and that's what counts. So that's our background. That's why you know, we're looking forward to diving in with other people who are doing this and distilling all of that, the good and the bad for you out there who's building the audience and, and trying to turn into a scalable business at the risk of repeating the same buzzwords over and over again. You got anything else to add? No, I, the last thing would be failure. You know, there's, there's so much to it. You know, you just, I think there's a part of being a creator and someone who's not going to give up and you have to fail because if you're not failing, then you're not learning. So you get over that fear real fast. Like, oh, well, if this doesn't work, well, guess what? You have to have things not work in order to learn. And I feel like that's kind of an, an older adage now, but you know, I'm sure for maybe some younger people out there or someone who's just getting started on their journey with this, like, it's going to happen. Just try not to fail too big, you know, just be smart about your investments and things of that nature. But you have to fail to learn. It's part of the process. You know, there's this whole internet, not to go on a side tangent, but there is this whole you know, sort of subculture of like these, you go on TikTok and there's these folks who have these extreme optimization spreadsheets on how to attack an opportunity. And I, you know, I'm a numbers guy, right? And I like to analyze stuff, as you know, but you see this stuff and everyone maps it out. Well, I'm going to invest X and then I'm going to spend this much and then I'm going to get this much in return each month, right? I can tell you the content business does not work like that because it's way less specific. Even the most well-defined affiliate marketing funnel or user flow for subscriptions is never perfect. And there's always variables. But one of the great things about this business is that you could test things easily. You immediately know if something is good. We'll know right away what's good and not good about this podcast. We're going to put it out there. And if it gets listens and stickiness and feedback, then we know it's good. If not, then we'll pivot the way we're talking about it. I'm sure this episode will differ from episode 10, which will differ from episode 100 because you constantly get that feedback. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I agree with you. I think it's really important to uh, be willing to take a chance and then, you know, get adjust along the way. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we're going to offer too, right? Is, you know, we have the podcast, but then we really want our listeners to sign up for what we think will be just five quick hitting bullets that we send out every week with some of our thoughts on those bullets that, you know, will be the latest trends. And we're focusing on, you know, ways to monetize your audience and what is out there and anything that's in the ether for someone who is trying to monetize an audience, we will find it and we'll send it out to you. And it'll be a quick read. And then and hopefully it leads then to you listening to the podcast or whatever. But even if you don't have the time, just sign up for the newsletter over at monetize.media, put in your email address and look for those five bullet points that we send off. I guarantee They'll be very helpful for whatever your whatever niche you're in, ever whatever business you're trying to grow and con- and uh, reach to your audience. I can promise you they'll be short. If you ever gotten an email or a text from Jason, it's usually got two to three words. So if you're looking for five 
succinct but impactful bullet points, definitely, if you'd like to receive those, uh, head on over to monetize.medium and drop in your email address. Uh, and then don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you hear here, you're going to hear a lot more of it from people besides us. This podcast is not meant to be about us. Uh, we want to bring on others who are doing this and use what we've learned to try and pull out and identify those trends, processes, and tools that others are using. So you can then in turn use those for your business. So if you like what you hear, subscribe. Uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, I like Overcast a lot on iOS, but to each their own, subscribe. We will have a new episode each week and head on over to monetize.media, both for that newsletter and for supporting content where we take out some of the ideas and topics we discuss in the podcast, on the podcast, and turn it into written form. Thanks for listening. 